first, I have to say, as I say, I've been following this very, very closely. Every night this week I've got home and I've put on CNN and I've just been absorbed by the extraordinary scene scenes in the uh, House of Representatives in the US. This might sound quite dry, this, around kind of their failure to elect a speaker, but the important thing to remember is that a speaker in the House of Representatives is not like the speaker of the House of Commons. Congress may be loosely modelled on our parliament, but it's very, very different in how it works in all sorts of ways uh, in practice. The speaker of the House of Representatives is not an umpire, it's not a chair. It is the most well, it's actually the second most senior political uh, office outside the presidency, second in line to the presidency. They control the votes, they control the timetabling of the lower house. They are highly political position. And normally the leader of the House of Representatives, it is a formality to become speaker. Whoever is the largest party, the Republicans took control uh, back in November, or rather they won the elections back in, in November, narrowly due to take control, their leader, Kevin McCarthy, should have sailed, as all of his predecessors since 1923 have done, to become Speaker. And yet, just before we started speaking about this, he lost a 13th ballot uh, on, in terms of becoming Speaker. So it's possible we'll be looking at a 14th ballot tonight, or who knows, because there are about 20 holdouts, or there were 20 holdouts before uh, tonight. Anyway, he's flipped some of them. Uh, now, let's talk, though, to Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent, joining us from Washington, D.C., a man who's been following this probably even more obsessively than I have. Simon, where are we? Uh, well, where we are, I think, Lewis, is now hours away from Kevin McCarthy finally becoming Speaker of the House of Representatives. I suspect the 14th vote might be the charm, uh, and that's probably not going to take place until 10 o'clock tonight here. That's 3 o'clock in the morning UK time, uh, because they're going to adjourn the session that is mm. underway to give two Republican members of the House of Representatives who left town to attend to some family business uh, earlier today, a chance to race back to Washington so that Kevin McCarthy can finally pull this over the finishing line. In that 13th vote uh, that has just taken place, there is evidence that of the 20 uh, Republican dissidents that have been bedeviling him uh, throughout the week, uh, he's managed to flip at least 15 of them. So he's five votes away uh, from securing uh, the Speaker's gavel. There will be more negotiations underway behind closed doors. Mr McCarthy has uh, indicated in interviews and comments to uh, some of the cable networks here within the last few minutes that he believes that the maths is now on his side. We've seen just an array of astonishing scenes playing out on the uh, floor of the House of Representatives, including images of Nancy Pelosi, of course, the former Speaker of the House of Representatives, um, with a whole group of Democrats gathered around her and they're clearly doing mental arithmetic uh, in front of one another and trying to figure out if there is any way uh, that they can uh, continue uh, to perhaps uh, persuade some of these wavering Republicans or uh, centrist Republicans not to go along with what Mr McCarthy is planning for tonight. But I think uh, after a, a long week, what, four days of I mean, frankly, the most dispiriting uh, political situation that we've witnessed here since January the 6th of two years ago when Donald Trump's mob uh, engaged in that deadly rampage on Capitol Hill. Finally, the long nightmare may be over. Although for Kevin McCarthy, of course, it may only just, just beginning. be beginning. Yes. Because if he becomes Speaker of the House of Representatives, all of these right-wingers that have bedeviled him since Tuesday morning 
are going to continue bedeviling him on every single piece of legislation that he uh, decides to try and advance because they definitely think they are now the kingmakers given how how small the Republican majority is in the body, just four seats uh, more than the Democrats, instead, of course, of that tsunami of support uh, that Donald Trump and others, including Kevin McCarthy, were predicting in last November's midterm elections. And Simon, what is it that, um, I mean, obviously, as you say, this has been going on, the horse trading and so on has really been going on since the midterms itself and obviously gathered pace this week. What is it that has made the difference in terms of flipping the 15 uh, in terms of what he's offered them? Well, I mean, he's chucked every blandishment at them that mm. you could possibly imagine, uh, including at one point this week saying to them that if he becomes Speaker, he'll do away with the rule that requires five members of Congress essentially to call for a vote of no confidence in his uh, Speakership, and he'll allow one member of Congress uh, to demand a, that a vote. That sounds like a recipe for stability. I mean, you know, I mean, that is going to be an absolute disaster. I mean, one of the big questions is uh, that we don't know the answer to has he offered any of these people committee chairs because remember that with the transfer of power in the house of representatives as you know it's now the republicans that, that are going to control all of the committees of the house mm. uh, and some of these republicans uh, who on the campaign trail were promising to drag hunter biden before them to talk about his laptop and vowing to prove that the biden family uh, are an organized uh, crime group of human traffickers uh, insisting that they were going to try and impeach the uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, the director of the FBI, for the witch hunt that has been, uh, they say, uh, unveiled against former President Donald Trump. Well, I mean, if you put any of those people in charge of committees, uh, we're mm. going to be seeing a real ratcheting up even further uh, of that kind of vitriol in the House of Representatives. But more broadly, if he's offered them uh, prime positions, uh, that is only going to feed into their own narrative uh, that in a House of Representatives where the Republicans only have a four-seat majority, they are in the catbird seat. Mm. Uh, and so I think that whatever deals have been done will come under intense scrutiny over the course of the next several days. And of course, all those deals have every possibility of falling apart in the weeks ahead. So, you, you know, Kevin McCarthy's grip on that speaker's gavel, uh, I suspect, is going to prove quite slippery. And Simon, just give people uh, a sense of the sort of rebels, the holdouts that there have been, who they are. Because the point is, is that, you know, they often style themselves as conservative. In many respects, there is very little conservative about them, isn't there? They are, if anything, far right. And they are people who actively, some people say, well, why do they want to throw sand in the gears of congress in the system that is why they're there right that's actually actively what they want a absolutely right i mean they're really anarchic i think mm. there's no question about that the behavior that we've seen this week is anarchic to to hold the u.s government hostage which is what they've been doing since tuesday bringing the wheels of governance to a halt on capitol hill raising real questions about the governability of this country is an act of anarchy and they include you know very 
colourful figures uh, that have become prominent and, and ubiquitous uh, in terms of the proceedings in the House of Representatives. Uh, men like uh, Congressman Matt Gates uh, of Florida, who seems to have a deep and abiding personal animus uh, towards Kevin McCarthy. He describes himself as a never-Kevin supporter, but he's not been able at all to articulate what it is that he really wants mm. beyond uh, what he describes as an end to business as usual. He says you can't get the biggest alligator in the swamp to drain it. But what on earth that all adds up to is very unclear to me. I mean, there's also, of course, uh, Congresswoman Lauren Bobart uh, of... Um, uh, uh, Colorado, Colorado, forgive me for losing track of them all. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is the pistol-packing uh, woman who arrived in Washington, D.C., saying that she didn't care what the rules were here. She was always going to carry a handgun wherever she went. She spent Tuesday filming selfie videos uh, that were being sent to her constituents showing that the metal detectors that Nancy Pelosi had placed at the doors uh, to the House of Representatives were, now the Republicans are in charge, being removed moved uh, and she had a real personal pet peeve about them because every time she went through them and they noted that she had a handgun in her possession she was told the the gun had to stay outside the assembly yeah, so it's yeah. perfectly possible she'll now be waltzing through uh, the doors with the handgun with her i mean there's a real anarchic um nature to all of these people sent here they believe uh, to bring about some kind of change in washington although you know, there's there's far more um, heat that is emanated from them than light in terms of really understanding what it is they're in favour of beyond sort of broad phrases like a war on woke and mm. uh, uh, and those kind of buzzwords. And it is ironic, isn't it, Simon, that this chaos should culminate in a way, and maybe it will finally be resolved today, but it is January the 6th, the two-year anniversary of the attempted, well, the actual insurrection and Anyway, attempted coup that took place in Washington two years ago at the very tail end of the Trump presidency. Because many of these people are election deniers. Many mm. of these people have made apology apology for um, for what we saw that day. Many of these people, of course, indulged by McCarthy himself over a very very long uh, period, and partly created by Trump. But interestingly, as we've seen this week, not actually controlled any longer by Trump. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the most interesting aspects of the week is that Donald Trump twice uh, during the course of the last four days told them to, in his words, knock it off. And not only did they not listen, but in the case of Congresswoman Bobart, she took to the floor of the House and said Donald Trump shouldn't be telling us to knock it off. He should be telling Kevin McCarthy to stand down. I mean, there is no question that there is historical symmetry about this potentially wrapping up two years to the day after Donald Trump's violent mob uh, descended on Capitol Hill, President Biden within the last hour or so has been handing out uh, medals uh, to police officers who were present that deadly day uh, on Capitol Hill and also to election officials who pushed back uh, against the former president's insistence that uh, the 2020 election uh, had been rigged. I, I mean, I think there is some difficulty in the week that we've witnessed for Joe Biden himself. Uh, you know, he did acknowledge earlier in the week that what was taking place in the 
House of Representatives was really damaging America's global reputation again and raising on the world stage fresh questions about the governability uh, of this country. How is it possible, he sort of asked rhetorically, that the greatest nation in the world can't uh, put things together so that Congress is functioning? Well, there is an incongruity between acknowledging that that's the reality of the situation and that, you know, there is a threat still to the democratic process here Mm. and continuing to claim that liberal democracies like the United States uh, should be, uh, you know, uh, finding ways of working together to not just deliver to their own peoples but to confront autocracies like Russia and China. I mean, every time we witness difficulties with America's democratic process like we've seen over the last 96 hours, that does run counter to the argument that liberal democracies are delivering for voters. Yeah. And finally, Simon, the point as well, anyone listening to this thinking, well, this all sounds very catastrophic and awful for uh, Americans, but it doesn't affect us very much. I mean, the point is, isn't it, to get across is that, okay, let's say McCarthy, you're right, um, McCarthy gets in on the 14th or 15th, whatever ballot it is tonight or over the weekend or whatever. But the point is, is that, as you've already alluded to, He's going to be a speaker without authority. He's going to be a feeble speaker, a weak speaker. And although no one would expect, given that there's a divided Congress and the presidency is controlled by a different party, no one's going to expect that there will be any great legislation being passed through Congress anytime soon. The point is that there are crucial things, whether it's Ukraine or so on, that are going to come before the House of Representatives and a weak speaker will make that much more difficult. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that and that this rump right wing of the Republican Party is going to hold up legislation on whatever the issue happens to be and insist that elements uh, that they favour possibly uh, involving completely different uh, subject matters get get inserted into uh, legislative bills that are before them. So there's going to be endless horse trading over every piece of legislation that comes up. Uh, I mean, one of the big questions is what is going to happen to funding for Ukraine? Uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, who's actually been supporting uh, Kevin McCarthy this week, although usually there's no uh, party of right-wing extremists that she doesn't want to join, she insisted on the campaign trail last November that Republicans will stop all funding for Ukraine in its tracks. Now, that's not official Republican policy, but if she can get, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Republicans to agree to vote against any Ukraine funding, that's going to present a real problem for Joe Biden and also uh, for the Allies. The Democrats will seek to pick off moderate Republicans uh, that are more hawkish in foreign policy terms and bring them over to their side. But we're in for two years of tremendous uncertainty in the House of Representatives. And also, Lewis, just remember, one year from now, we're all talking about the presidential election and then all of these people will be manoeuvring for position uh, with regard to, to, to presidential electoral politics. So uh, this is going to be a rough ride. Simon, Simon Marks, I could talk to him uh, all night about this stuff. LBC's US uh, correspondent joins us, uh, joining us from uh, Washington, D.C. There, better let him get back to f- watch the feverish scenes uh, unfolding on the House of uh, Representatives. We'll keep an eye on it, of course, for the next 10 minutes or so on this uh, programme.